You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hey everyone. Uh, so my name is Tim, and uh, we're yeah we're doing some uh, storytelling from the Bible. This is kind of part two of a series uh, that we started in the last school holidays, looking at uh, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, and some stories uh, around his life and that particular period of history. Um, most of the Bible actually is stories. That's the most common thing you'll find in the Bible, and the Bible itself is. One big story telling God's plan for the world and for our lives. And so engaging with story is actually a really important way uh, to understand what God is saying to us. So the way we're doing this is I'm going to tell the story a couple of times and then there's a series of questions. These are the same questions that we've been asking each time we do this storytelling. And we'll pop them up. Thanks, Joel. Um, What is it you like about this story? What questions might people have? They can be your questions or they might be when you hear the story you think, oh gee, so-and-so would be sure to ask this if they heard this. You know, it doesn't have to be yours, but just questions that come up when you hear this story. Then the two middle ones, this is really getting to the guts of it. What do we learn in this story about people and what do we learn about God? Now they sound like simple questions, but actually this is a really good way to dig deep uh, when you're reading the Bible to think about those two questions. And then the last two are really about putting it into practice. Uh, We're people who believe that God does speak to us in his word and he wants us to actually do something about it, not just to go, well, that was nice and walk away unchanged, but actually to put it into practice. So what are you going to do this week in response to this story? And the last one, who could you tell this story to this week? Now, I've memorised the story and I'm going to sort of tell it from memory. We don't expect that you'll be able to do that off the bat, but... You might have something that you want to share with someone else, uh, a truth that comes out of the story, or just tell it in your own words as best you can because you think, hey, there's someone that I'd love to pass this on to. So today's Bible passage comes from uh, 1 Kings, chapter 21. And just to set the context a little bit, uh, we're in about 870 BC, 870 years before Jesus, uh, in the nation of Israel. And it's a pretty dark time uh, in Israel's history. So the person who is ruling the nation of Israel is a guy called King Ahab, and he's married to uh, Queen Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel Jezebel, um, are bad. They're described as kind of the worst rulers in Israel's history. They're leading people away from serving the living God, And there's lots of evil things and unjust things that are happening throughout the country under their leadership, uh, as today's story demonstrates. So here we go. This is the first, first take on the story. So nearby the palace where Ahab lived, there was a vineyard which belonged to a guy called Naboth. So Ahab went to Naboth and he said, Please give me your vineyard because I want to plant a vegetable garden. I'll swap your vineyard for an even better one, or if you prefer, I'll give you a really good price for it. But Naboth said, no way, God wouldn't want me to do that. 
This is my family land. It's been handed down from generation to generation within Israel. And so Ahab went away sulking and angry. He lay down on his bed and he sulked and he refused to eat anything. Jezebel came in and said, Why are you sulking? Why aren't you eating anything? Because Naboth won't give me his vineyard. Is that how the king of Israel acts? Get up and eat something. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard. And so Jezebel wrote letters and she signed them with Ahab's name and she stamped them with his royal seal and she sent the letters to the leaders of the city where Naboth lived. The letters said, Announce a day of fasting from food and gather all the people together and make sure that Naboth gets a really good seat amongst the people. But then plant two people sitting opposite him who will falsely say that they heard Naboth curse God and curse the king. Then when those false charges are proved against him, take him out of the city and stone him. So the leaders of the city did exactly what Jezebel told them to do. False charges were brought against Naboth. He was taken outside the city and people threw stones at him until he was dead. As soon as Jezebel heard the news of what had happened, she said to Ahab, go and take the field, the vineyard that Naboth refused to give to you. He's now dead. It's yours. And so Ahab went and he took possession of Naboth's vineyard. Now the word of the Lord came to the prophet Elijah and said, go and find King Ahab. He's down in Naboth's vineyard. And say to him, this is what the Lord says to you. You have murdered a man, and you have stolen his land. Therefore, just as the dogs have licked up Naboth's blood, they're going to lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Now, Ahab saw Elijah coming towards him, and he said, Oh, so you found me, my enemy. Oh, I found you, said Elijah. You've done something evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you. I'm going to bring destruction on you. I'm going to wipe out your descendants. Your entire royal line will be gone. Because you've aroused my anger and you've led the whole nation of Israel astray. You and your wife Jezebel will die and the dogs and the birds will eat your dead bodies. Well, when Ahab heard this, he, he, he tore his clothes and he changed out of his royal robes and put on sackcloth and he stopped eating anything. In fact, he even slept in the sackcloth rather than in his pyjamas. And he went around very humbly. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Elijah again. God said, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Therefore, I'm going to hold back 
the judgment that I was going to bring on him. It won't happen to him. It'll come later in the time of his son. So that's, that's the story. That's 1 Kings 21. Have, uh, turn to the person next to you. If you don't know them, say hi, introduce yourself. And I want you, I'm just going to give you three minutes for this. What do you like about this story? And what questions might people have? Go for it. Okay, starting to uh, quieten down. So why don't you call out uh, anything that you like about this story? The first answer I got this morning was not much. <laughs> it's, a pretty, it's a pretty sort of it's a pretty icky story. But is there any, anything uh, that you like about this particular story? Strong female character. <laughs> Strong female character. <laughs> yes. Would you call a child Jezebel? Yeah, there's a question for you. What else? God responds, yeah. So God actually acts. He doesn't just, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Something terrible happens and he actually acts on it. Yeah. Yeah. And we know from previous stories that his life has been at risk for speaking up, but he still does it. He does what God wants him to do and speaks truth um, to powerful people at risk of his own life, yeah. What about the questions? What questions do people have? Is that a question or something you like about the story? <laughs> yeah. They do. Jazz. Did Jezebel die? Did Jezebel die? Yeah, you have to read ahead. A few people have gone, oh, I've got to go and read what happens. Um, you, have to go, you have to go a couple of chapters ahead to find out what happens to Ahab, but you have to go quite a way ahead to find out what happens to Jezebel. But yeah, God's word comes true, both cases. Yep. Yep. Did Ahab change on the inside as well as the outside? That's a great question, isn't it? Because you can act like, you know, you're sorry, but are you really sorry in the heart? That's a great question. Bronwyn? Yeah. Yeah, so who's, who's to blame here? Um, it seems like both of them, uh, it happens with his permission, but... She's the active one. Uh, one more question just to throw in there. Um, it may not be immediately obvious. Well, why doesn't Naboth just give the land? You know, he's getting a good price for it. What's actually going on there? But actually, if you understand in the context of the Bible that, um, like, we buy and sell land all the time and it's no big deal. But at that time in Israel... Every family was given their particular piece of the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And you didn't just buy and sell it, it was kept because it was kind of your family's inheritance in the land. There was a strong connectedness with the land that we don't understand very well. In fact, our indigenous brothers and sisters understand the connectedness to land way more than we do in terms of this story. So for, for Naboth to just sell it, you know, like selling a house, putting it on the market would have actually been a deeply wrong thing to do. And he understands 
this relationship with land and what God is doing way better than the king of Israel does. So this is not just a neutral thing. Um, and there might be questions about, well, you know, why does he stick to his guns at risk to his own life there? It's a bigger, bigger thing. All right, I'm going to tell the story again. Now, the next two questions are, what do you learn about people and what do you learn about God? So as I'm telling it, you might want to pay particular attention to the characters and what we learn about people as well as uh, what we learn about God in this story. So nearby the palace where Ahab lived, there was a vineyard which belonged to a man named Naboth. And Ahab went to Naboth and said, please give me your vineyard because I want to plant a vegetable garden. I'll swap it, so I'll give you an even better vineyard than the one that you've got, or if you prefer, you know, I'll pay a really good price for your vineyard. But Naboth said, no way, God wouldn't want me to do that. This is my family land. It's been handed down from generation to generation within Israel. And so Ahab went away sulking and angry because Naboth wouldn't give him the vineyard. He lay down on his bed and he sulked and he refused to eat anything. When Jezebel came in, she said, Why are you sulking? Why aren't you eating anything? Oh, because Naboth won't give me his vineyard. Is that how the king of Israel acts? Get up and eat something. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard. And so Jezebel wrote letters and she signed them with Ahab's name and she stamped them with his royal seal and she sent them to the leaders of the city where Naboth lived. The letters said, Announce a day of fasting from food and gather all the people of the city together. Make sure that Naboth gets a really good seat amongst the people. And then I want you to plant two people sitting opposite him who will falsely claim that they heard Naboth curse God and curse the king. Then when those charges uh, are brought, take him out of the city and stone him to death. So the leaders of the city did exactly what Jezebel had instructed them to do. The false charges were brought against Naboth and he was taken out of the city and they threw stones at him until he died. As soon as the news of what had happened got to Jezebel, she said to Ahab, go down and take the vineyard that Naboth refused to sell you. It's yours, he's dead. And so Ahab went and he took possession of the vineyard. Well, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Elijah and said, go and find King Ahab, he's down in Naboth's vineyard, and say to him, this is what the Lord God says to you. You have murdered a man and you have stolen his land. Therefore, just as the dogs have licked up Naboth's blood, so the dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Now, when Ahab saw Elijah coming towards him, he said, oh, so you found me, my enemy. And Elijah said, I found you. You've done something very evil in the eyes of the Lord. So this is what the Lord God says to you. I'm going to bring destruction on you. You have aroused my anger 
and you have led all Israel astray. Therefore, I am going to destroy you and I'm going to wipe out your descendants, your entire royal line. You and your wife Jezebel will die and the dogs and the birds will eat your dead bodies. Now, when Ahab heard this, he he tore his clothes and he, he took off his royal robes and he put on sackcloth and he refused to eat anything. He even slept in the sackcloth and he went around very humbly. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Elijah again. God said, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Therefore, I'm going to hold off bringing this destruction that I said I would bring. It will still happen later, but in the time of Ahab's son, not in his life. All right, a couple of minutes again. What do you learn about people? What do you learn about God? If we can have those questions on the screen, Joel. Just a couple of minutes talking about those two things together. Okay, never enough time, I know. What do we learn about people from this story? Anything that this sort of teaches us about people? People can be cunning, yep. Yep, they're sore looters. The word sulking appears three times in the Bible passage. I didn't add that in, that's there, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. We see this sort of thing still happening today, don't we? People using power in bad ways, uh, corruption, um, people just wanting to get what they want to get and so abusing power and being um, corrupt in order to do it. Sadly, we see that. At the same time, there's some great examples of integrity in this passage as well. Naboth uh, shows a lot of integrity. He's willing to stand up. Likewise, uh, Elijah, as was said before. So we see both the good in humanity as well as um, the great evil things that humanity can do. What do we learn about God? Yeah. Yeah, so at the, at the end we see that even though this guy's an absolute scumbag <laughs> who's done a really bad thing, God says, I've seen, you know, that he's humbled himself and I'm going to actually relent and and not bring the judgment immediately. We might worry about his son, by the way, but his son was a ratbag too, so he kind of he kind of got it not just because, you know, he was a really good guy and dad was bad, so he, but he copped it. It was actually for his own sins and wrongdoings as well, in case you worry about that particular thing. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the things that we might have questions about as well, isn't it? Right. So God is seeing everything that's happening. He doesn't step in and prevent the injustice happening. It, it happens and this guy gets killed and he loses his vineyard. But God is aware of it and actually 
does come back with a message of judgment in response to it. But we might have questions about, well, why, why doesn't God actually intervene? Why doesn't he stop it? Um, raises big questions about evil and injustice that is experienced in the world as that tension between God seeing it and promising judgment but not immediately doing that. That's a tension. I think um, this passage teaches us that actually injustice angers God too. We often speak about God being a God of love and he is. But God says his anger has been aroused by these sorts of actions and we need to deal with that reality that God is a God who judges and will not just allow unjust things to pass by without actually doing something about it. And there's some comfort in that, given all the injustice that is experienced in the world, that that is what God is like. In a few minutes as we prepare for communion and we'll actually confess to God the things that we've done wrong, we'll assure ourselves with some words from the Bible which says that God is slow to anger and full of compassion. So it's not that God never gets angry, but he's slow to anger. He's patient, he's forgiving, he's merciful, but actually evil does need judging and we need a God who will actually judge injustice and bring ultimate justice uh, in his son Jesus Christ. To finish with uh, two questions, and I'm just going to get you to pause uh, in silence. Don't turn to the person next to you. What are you going to do this week in response to this story? And is there anything from this story that you might want to share or pass on to someone else? Just take a moment to come before God and to ask him to speak into your life as to what you might need to do, and then I'll pray for us to close. God, we recognise in stories like this from so long ago, um, real resonances with our own experience of the world, with both the evil and the good that we experience and that we commit ourselves. We thank you that you are a God of justice and also a God of compassion and love. And we pray that Um, You would help us with these things that we've resolved to do in light of this story this week, that you would give us the strength to put them into practice. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 